Invest in your goals and what you want to achieve. Don't invest in trying to get a specific rate of return that, you know, in the grand scheme of things, really is irrelevant to, to your values. This is the Retire Happy Podcast with John Amarino, teaching you each episode about holistic retirement plans. It's another edition of the Retire Happy Podcast. Walter Storholt here with San Diego's premier holistic retirement advisor, John Amarino, fiduciary financial advisor at Securus Financial, serving you throughout the San Diego area and beyond. You can check out John online at gosecurus.com. John, great to be with you once again, my friend. All, uh, all tan from your trip to the, uh, to the coast. You know, I did, I did get tan. I did get tan. It was perfect. Florida weather. It was like about, uh, it rained the first day we got out on, uh, we got out Friday night and, uh, Saturday morning we had that typical Florida rain, the downpour. But after that, it was, uh, perfect the rest of the week, 75 to 80 degrees. And at this time of the year, really no humidity. So it was awesome. We, uh, the house we stayed in was beautiful. It was huge right on the water. And, uh, Jake and I fished every day off the dock, and we had dolphins swimming up to our dock. So it was uh, relaxing. The kids had fun. As as a matter of fact, we got home on a late Saturday night, and on Sunday morning, and every morning I'd wake up and I'd be sitting when when I was in Florida, I'd be sitting on the couch drinking my coffee, staring out to the water. Right, and uh, so now now it's Sunday. We're back to reality and. Uh, Jake had his friends in the house, so he always had something to do. So Jake is like, you know, dad, I'm bored. Can we do something? I'm like, it's, it's 9am. Just let's simmer down. And then my little daughter, you know, my two-year-old looks at me and goes, I don't like our house anymore, dad. I want to go back to Florida house. I'm like, (laughs) and as she's telling me this, I'm looking outside at my neighbor's fence because right. I, I live in, you know, track housing. So I have a beautiful view of my neighbor's fence out my, you know, backyard window. And I said, you and me both, darling, you and me both. But um, yeah, it was a it was a great vacation, especially, you know, kind of having a pivot. We were supposed, supposed to go to Turks and um, with the whole kind of COVID mandates on on testing, we couldn't risk being quarantined out there for another two weeks. So I was a very, I, I know we talked about it, you know, um, before my trip off air, but Bradenton Beach, Anna Maria Island, that whole area is absolutely beautiful. Absolutely beautiful. And and, and the environment out there versus, you know, California is, is more opened and it was just a more relaxed environment. It was almost kind of like you, you were able to forget the, the, the COVID nightmare and just enjoy and relax. We uh, we vacationed down there in uh, October of last year, and so it was the, it was the same kind of thing. It was just a wonderful break from the stressors of COVID and everything. And and even back in October, we actually did a pretty socially distanced vacation. We got a little rental house that had a little uh, little pontoon boat off the back dock, and we just were we were like we're social distancing. We're on our boat out in the middle of the water. Nobody's gonna come and bother us. And it was yeah, we just floated and enjoyed it. And it was uh, you haven't lived until you've uh, floated on a boat out in the water and watched the sunset. That was that was pretty spectacular to kind of do that each evening and then 
the boat we had didn't have any lights on it, so we had to zoom back in real quick right after uh, right <laughs> after watching the sunset before we got lost out in the ocean. But <laughs> it was uh, it was always pretty fun. Their beaches out there are beautiful, beautiful white sand, and and you know the golf. It's on the Gulf side, mm-hmm. but you know that golf water is just it's, it's different. It's different. Turquoise. Really yeah, I I mean I I'm a huge fan of like caribbean style beaches and and the gulf beaches versus our beaches here i mean we have beautiful coastline and whatnot but when when it comes to the sand and the just the color of the the water and the clarity of the water it's it's it was amazing yep very true well glad that you had a great trip and that you are uh, rested and ready to rock and roll for another episode here of the retire happy podcast on which we're going to be talking about some uh, bedrock principles as it comes to um, you know, planning for retirement and finances, and especially as just an advisor, and some of the bedrock principles that uh, John would think about uh, when it comes to, let's say if we were running for office of financial advisor, John, you know, you like to get political from time to time here on the show. So <laughs> I think you're going to enjoy today, but we're going to, it's going to still be a lot of uh, finance talk on the program. Uh, We've got uh, a couple other good things to talk about on today's show. We're going to find out John's go-to restaurant. We're going to talk about inflation. And we've got a great email question from Bo, who is uh, a little bit curious about what to do if you have a surplus of retirement savings. What do you do with that extra money? And can you just as easily pass it on to the next person? And what are some things to think about there? So lots of good ground to cover on today's show, John, and I am looking forward to it with you. All right, so let's put you in the uh, hypothetical here. You've been uh, in a, put into a world where you have to be elected in order to be a financial advisor. And so you have to put together some bedrock principles that would be part of your campaign. This is your, your platform for running for the Office of Financial Advisor. Sound good? Sounds good. Okay. And to be fair, I gave John a heads up on you know this before the show. So he sent me over his campaign platform. Here are the four key principles of John's platform. Uh, number one, keeping people as safe as possible by managing risk. Number two, uniting the different elements of a portfolio by helping pieces work together in harmony. Well, that's just a, a pleasant sounding sentence. That's written like a politician. <laughs> Getting dollars back to work by eliminating lazy money. And number four, eliminating the fear that people have of running out of money. I love it. You covered a lot of bases there, John. Eliminating fears, getting back to work, unity. You hit all the uh, important buzzwords that a politician would. Uh, So yeah, give us the rundown. Why these four bedrock principles? Why would they be part of your campaign if you were running for office of financial advisor? Yeah, well, you know, obviously, Walter, we've talked a lot about these principles over the last two years of, you know, having this podcast. And really, the foundation of a good retirement plan is that you need to have, you need to solve for that principle number one, and that's managing risk. And this is often where people do not have the, their, their foundation of their retirement plans are on shaky ground. You need to have a portion of your money be principally protected. And the biggest behavioral finance, and this is just not my opinion, but this is well documented in retirement studies is that investing in retirement is completely different than investing in your accumulation or your work years. Investing in retirement is not about getting rich. And I tell my clients, that's, listen, I would love to get you rich. I would love to all of a sudden you know, double your wealth in, in one year. Who wouldn't love that? But that's not really the reality. My goal 
is not about getting you rich. That was your goal to get us to that point during your accumulation or, or get the amount of life savings that you need to have your lifestyle. The goal when it gets to retirement needs to shift from accumulation to preserving your wealth and growing your wealth in a safer manner. And like I said, this is a huge hurdle for a lot of people because we've been programmed that in order to have a successful portfolio, you must have your portfolio invested in higher risk allocations. And, you know, for a lot of us, you get that 401k and you're, you're oh, you know, I'm at, you know, an 11 or 12% return. And, and another little bit of research that was, was part of my studying for my RMA was that people in advisors alone over the last decade too have become overconfident in their abilities, right? And it's very easy to become overconfident when you're in a bull market. But when you go to retirement, you don't have a legitimate second chance like you do on your 401k. Um, and, and we're not, you know, we look at COVID, that was a great trial run for people. And I tell people, if you didn't open up your 401ks, you need to go back and open them up in April and May of last year and look at what happened to your accounts. And, you know, if you're aggressively invested, you know, and hopefully, you know, if you didn't open your accounts because you didn't want to know and you didn't want to make any stupid decisions, then that paid off because you, chances are you got your money back. But if you open it up and you see how much you drop, you need to ask yourself, okay, now if I just retired and this happened, what would happen to my peace of mind? Because when you're working and your accounts drop, but you're still contributing to your 401k, you're actually lessening that blow, right? You're lessening that market blow because you're now buying securities at a depressed value. But you don't have the ability in most cases to do that because you're no longer working. So investing in retirement is a key bedrock principle is you need to have a portion of your money principally protected. Um, if you don't have a defined income stream and you're living off your assets, you better set aside about 18 months worth of expenses in a bank account to be able to pay your expenses because you don't want to draw from your investment accounts when they're way down, right? That sequence of returns risk, which we've talked at in nauseam. So managing risk is huge. And I think that principle of protection goes in hand in hand with that fourth principle of eliminating the fear of running out of money. And as I've mentioned, you know, we just renamed our process. It's called Shield Your Retirement. And so instead of using buckets, right, the, the play on our Securus Shield, uh, we now have shields. So um, we have an income shield. And the job of that income shield is to produce an income stream for our clients, no matter what happens in the market. So, you know, and this was evident last year um, that, you know, we had our, our clients in some vehicles that, you know, the market was down 37%. And they were still getting a defined income stream. And, you know, pretty much two of the more popular ways to do that are either through a bond ladder, which, you know, in inch lower interest rates is, is pretty tough, or some type of uh, fixed or immediate annuity, right? Because that's just like a personal paycheck. But you need to have stuff that is 
almost absolutely predictable no matter what the markets are. And unfortunately for a lot of people, they think dividends are that, and dividends are a great way to produce an income stream. But as we saw last year and in past market crashes, some of these companies don't pay dividends. So you have to ask yourself, if you don't, if you didn't preserve your wealth, right, and the market dropped and you lost 30, 40%, which some prospects that came into my office did, and or you were depending on income from dividends and those dividends weren't paid, are you willing to accept the consequence of having to reduce your lifestyle to pay your bills, right? Because retirement's not about market expectations and, and probabilities. It's really about having defined outcomes and consequences. You don't have to plan for a market crash, but what is the consequence when that market crash happens? So, um, you know, in, in our office on that income shield, we're we're setting up clients for an income stream that's going to be at least five to 10 years of predictable income. If not, in some cases, you know, some people want that lifetime pension, will have their lifetime income stream set up. So um, those two principles uh, are obviously very important and are really, really, you know, if we're building the house, the foundation. The other one would be lazy money. And, you know, we say lazy money, and that's usually the, the big cash or CD investors. A lot of these people were the people that were just really spooked out of the market after the 08, 09 crash. And, you know, really what I tell those people is not only are those vehicles tax inefficient, but over the course of the last hundred year, years in the market, the actual worst performing asset class has been cash. And you have to understand that the market, that money markets and bank accounts and savings accounts or CDs in this low interest rate environment, coupled with taxes, will not keep up with inflation. And therefore, you're still losing the purchasing power or the value of your dollar. So you know, and the other thing that kind of goes hand in hand with that lazy money are the people who think that they can time the market, right? I'm going to stay in cash and then I'm going to get in when I think it's going to be the most inopportune time. And really studies have shown and the data has been clearly showed that this is really one of the most failed investment strategies out there. Investing 101, right? Nobody except for those who do manipulate the market, right? The ultra elite. And uh, we know that happens. Uh, GameStop was a, an exe a perfect example of how the market can be manipulated, both by hedge funds and, you know, by a Reddit group. Um, you know, they manipulated that stock. So market manipulation does happen. But outside of those people that are manipulating the market, you know, most advisory firms and do-it-yourselfers, and especially the pundits, right? They have no idea what's going to happen in the market. And oftentimes, those people that try to time the market uh, have fallen in that behavioral finance um, cycle where they get in when the markets are hot, right? And they get in usually at the top near euphoria, which is the most inopportune time to get in. And they get out when the markets start to drop, which, you know, is typically the the best time to buy if you're really a, a market timing expert. Um, so, you know, behavioral finance has shown that those types of people that try to time the market 
often fall into the euphoria and the fear buying and selling strategies. So you don't want to just stay in cash, right? Should you have an emergency fund? And, and like I said, you know, just a few minutes ago, if you are basing your income stream and you're following the 4% rule or whatnot, and you're pulling from your assets and there's a down market, yes, you better have 18 months of cash set aside. And you, you have to understand that you're going to sacrifice rates of return to have that safety net. But outside of that, you don't want to just be sitting all in cash. You really want, uh, you know, and, and what I coach to my clients is it's not about timing the market, but rather time in the market. And we utilize the different investment vehicles based on our clients' ability to take on risk, also known as risk capacity, and their time horizon. What I mean by that, Walter, is if you're going to need this money in a shorter time term, let's say one to five years, like income, we're going to have you in conservative investments that either reduce or eliminate your exposure to sequence of returns risk. Now, if you have the ability to have a growth bucket, which in our office, we look at 10 plus years out, then you can have a different investment strategy for that portion of your money that is more aggressive because time is on your side. So that's kind of our bedrock principle for lazy. And then fourth, um, you know, and I, I really think this is a area of my practice that I stand out on. And it's understanding how the elements of your portfolio work together in harmony, right? And, you know, we, we have a, a little video that basically looks at all aspects of your retirement, you know, whether it's insurance, investments, taxes, estate planning. And, you know, you talk about harmony, it's about having like a financial orchestra, right, Walter? I mean, you could hear someone play the tuba or the clarinet or, or, or any other instrument, and they may be good and it may sound okay if they're just playing it alone. But when you have, and you go to an orchestra and you hear these instruments all playing in a coordinated fashion together, the sounds, you know, amazing, right? That's why people go to symphonies and orchestras because it's just the, the amazing you know, music that is produced when you have this harmonic coordination. And that's the same thing that we look at when we're developing a sound holistic retirement plan, right? We're coordinating your income and your investments with tax management planning, um, right? Tax efficient vehicles. We're making sure that you have you know, the proper medical coverage or, or you, you made the correct Medicare decisions and that you have a plan for a long-term care event and that if something also happens to you in the event of a car accident or a homeowner's insurance claim like, you know, a house fire, um, that you're properly protected, that you've protected yourself from identity theft, that we've taken measures to protect you that way. Then lastly, your estate plan, that you're passing your wealth on to your kids, because I don't think any of my listeners, and I don't think you also would come into, you, you also, Walter, would fall into this category that no one wants to make their, the IRS the biggest beneficiary right. of their wealth, right? So 
that's what I meant by those four bedrock principles is, you know, protecting your money, obviously solving for retirees, number one concern of running out of money and really trying to properly invest your money to safely grow it. And last but not least, having the most efficient retirement plan possible, both getting the most amount of income with the least amount of money and paying the, the least amount of taxes legally and having that tax management philosophy in place. And I've found that with my clients, when they have these four principles, they feel like they are in control of their destiny, which gives them confidence and peace of mind in retirement. So important, I think, to uh, remember that there are you know, different things that uh, not every financial advisor thinks the same. You know, I could ask this question to another advisor and they would have come up with four different things, John, and had totally different reasons for it. And that's not necessarily a bad thing, but it could also be a bit dangerous if then the bedrock principles that are establishing your financial plan aren't necessarily aligned with your interests and the things that are going to be good for you. So um, I always find it interesting to get your insight on these things. Uh, since you were on such a roll, any other principles you want to throw out there? Yeah, and I think, you know, last but not least, the old keeping up with the Joneses principle. And I think this is really the biggest principle of them all. I already mentioned don't invest for large gains in retirement. That is a transformational thought process for people. You have to change your thinking. And that kind of leads into instead of investing to try to get those double-digit returns or those expectations, invest to achieve the lifestyle you want in retirement. As I've said in past podcasts and even you know earlier in today's com, uh, podcast, investing in retirement is completely different than investing during your working years. And investing in retirement is about having those defined outcomes. And COVID was my first major market correction that I've had to manage people's money through. You know, my clients who had these solid principles in place that they had that peace of mind, right? They they were concerned about COVID and the overall economy, but they weren't getting that investment sticker shock when with the huge market losses. And that gave them confidence that you know, despite all the noise and all the chaos, that they just didn't lose half their wealth and that they were going to be okay. So invest in your goals and what you want to achieve. Don't invest in trying to get a specific rate of return that, you know, in, in the grand scheme of things really is irrelevant to, to your values. Well said. Make sure things are in alignment. I love it. And uh, good advice as always here, John. If you want to talk to John a little bit more about some of these bedrock principles and how it might impact your financial plan, if you've never put together a financial plan before and would like to find out a little bit more about what's involved and how to do that, you can always reach out to John at any time at 858-935-6210. That's 858-935-6210 or online at gosecurus.com. That's gosecurus.com. Extra, extra, read all about it. Well, John, that means it's time for a headline in the news portion of our program on the show today. And uh, I thought you would find this one interesting. 
Um, so this was in the news recently, and the headline goes a little something like this. Congressional discussions of a $15 minimum wage have been picking up steam, and uh, this has been really a discussion for the last couple of weeks, maybe even the past few months. Curious how you think something like that could impact the economy. Yeah, well, um, you know, Congress didn't uh, have their business shut down. They they collected a paycheck, um, you know, over the last year of the pandemic. But I'm not a huge fan of increasing the minimum wage, especially in this current env- environment. I mean, this just kind of goes to the out of touch nature of Congress, right? You have a bunch of small businesses who are struggling to reopen. Right there, I mean, those who did survive, you know, a lot of these small businesses just barely survived, and now we want to increase the minimum wage for employees. It's a simple fact of the matter that if you don't have businesses, then you don't have employees, and they're not making anything. Forget about the minimum wage. Secondly, I agree with the ideology that minimum wage jobs are not meant to be careers. They're meant to be entry-level positions, usually for those in high school or college. And, and we often hear our politicians talking about you know, minimum wage. It's give these people a livable wage as if they're you know, uh, a mother and a father trying, you know, struggling to you know, put food on the table uh, you know, for their family. And I'm not saying that, you know, especially this last year, there were definitely instances where people struggled you know, to pay the bills. But in the realm of the minimum wage, I don't think the argument of having that livable wage is is quite honestly valid. If your minimum wage job is your career, and I know this sounds harsh, Walter, but in my experience, you know, over the course of, of my adulthood, those people that I've seen that have been in a minimum wage job as their career wage, I, I gotta hate, I hate to say this, but those people just never chose to apply themselves, right? Yes, there are some people that were dealt, you know, a bad set of cards, whether, you know, maybe they had some type of handicap or whatnot that, you know, that keeps them. But, you know, for the most part, a lot of these people in in those minimum wage positions, they just didn't apply themselves. And, you know, that goes back to, you know, those people who didn't choose to apply themselves in school and, and educate themselves, you know, those are the ones that are stuck in that minimum wage. And I'm not saying that you had to go to college. You know, I know plenty of people who never went to college, but make much more than minimum wage because they went to a trade school or they went into a career that had some type of growth. I actually had a friend of mine who his high school buddy went from uh, changing tires or busting tires at discount tire. And he also eventually got his college degree, but worked his way up the corporate ladder to, you know, a regional vice president of the, the Western U.S. So, uh, you know, there's, there's plenty of instances where people who never chose to get that higher education still made much more than minimum wage. So all in all, I think minimum wage is an entry-level um, position. And if you force an increase like this on businesses, it's going to further strain companies and it's going to lead to companies either doing two things. Number one, terminating employees because, you know, if your expenses just went up more, then you may have to cut employees to 
to balance your budget to stay in business, or those businesses are just going to go out of business again, and they're going to they shut their doors. And when businesses hurt, our economy hurts. Well, that's that's the the part that is definitely very true. If you have a business that struggles, and now all of a sudden they've got to make up a lot more wages, um, they they could find other ways of doing things without employees. I, I think. With us facing so many problems of robotics and and that replacing a lot of jobs and the threat that we face from that combined with this, it's definitely seems like a recipe for trouble and uh, something that we need to continue to talk about and fix. But uh, thank you for your perspective on that, John. Helpful to get your word on the street. Uh, Speaking of trouble and things coming down the pike financially, you know, inflation, I think, is one of those things that we should probably spend a little bit of time talking about. And today's show seems like a good time to do so. And and I think inflation is just one of those things that often gets a little sneaky, John, like it uh, flies under the radar a little bit because it kind of happens in slow motion at us. Tell us a little bit about um, why we should be paying attention a little bit more to inflation. I'm, I'm reminded of a Milton Friedman quote who said, inflation is taxation without legislation. And uh, I think truer words have never been spoken. Yeah, that's a great quote because like taxation, inflation eats at your bottom line. As a matter of fact, it's been quoted that inflation is actually the most insidious tax because it erodes your purchasing power. And I think for the best current example we have now is just a few months ago, gas was almost a dollar a gallon cheaper than it is now. So we have an an SUV, you know, for the kids and all that. What would have cost us $60 to fill up our SUV at the beginning of the year or at the end of last year is now costing us 90, closer to $100. So at the end of the day, I have 30 less dollars a week. You know, compound that, you know, filling up four or five times, that's $150 less a month in your pocketbook. So, um, yeah, inflation, it's, you know, it's that old saying, it's not what you make, it's what you keep in the end. And inflation is one of those uh, powers that work against you. It's time for the mailbag. We want to hear from you. Well, that's how it means it's time for the mailbag, and our question comes to us this week from Bo in Claremont. By the way, you can submit a mailbag question to be featured on a future show by going to gosecurus.com. Uh, here's what Bo has to ask you this week, and I think it's a really, uh, really good question here, John, and it is, I need about $5,000 to live on each month in retirement, and my Social Security and pension will total about 5300 Does this mean I'll be able to leave my entire 401k behind? To my son. Hey, Bo, that's a great question. Um, you're definitely fortunate to have what we call an income surplus. That meaning that you have $5,300 of income coming in and only $5,000 in expenses. So you have $300 extra dollars a month. But it doesn't necessarily mean you'll be able to leave your entire 401k to your son. And the reason for this is depending on how big your 401k is, remember that at age 72, you're going to be subject to required minimum distribution. So if all that money is in a tax-deferred 401k, the government's going to force you to take some of that money out in in terms of 401k RMD distribution. So unless you're doing some tax management planning to get that 401k uh, to a, a Roth IRA, then you're gonna you know you're gonna lose some value there. Also. Uh, you need to look at whether or not you have proper asset protections in place, right? Do you have protection against a long-term care 
event or a catastrophic event like a car accident or a house fire, right? You know, I've seen too many instances where car accident on the freeway far exceeded their their coverage because the people were trying to save money on their premiums and it ended up, you know, costing them far, far greater. So in, in one acquaintance's situation, they lost their house, right? Their house was completely paid off, but, you know, the damages were so much higher than their insurance coverage. They had no umbrella coverage. So the creditors obviously went after their house. So, um, you know, you don't want them to be able to do that. So you, you want to make sure your assets are in protection. You want to have an efficient estate plan to actually pass that money onto your son without it going through costly probate processes. And, you know, last but not least, you live 30 years in retirement and we've just talked about inflation. That $5,000 a month in expenses is most likely going to increase. So you need to ask will your Social Security and pensions keep up, you know, with those cost of living increases? But all in all, I, I will tell you, you have a solid foundation that a lot of people don't have. So, you know, take away some positivity with that. It's a great point and something that I think a lot of people, you know, wish they were in that position, Bo. That's a very envious position to be in. But you still don't want to uh, kind of let your guard down. You still want to do the most efficient things you can do with those dollars and make sure that you've got a good plan in place and invite you and anybody in a similar spot who is uh, wondering about planning for retirement and your financial future and uh, want to make sure that you have a healthy financial plan in place. Give John a call. 858-935-6210 is the number. That's 858-935-6210, or go online to gosecurus.com. John, that's going to wrap up this episode. Thanks for the help and the guidance, and uh, we'll do it all again next week. It was a great time as always. We'll see you later. All right, sounds good. That's John Amarino. I'm Walter Shorholt. We'll talk to you next time on the Retire Happy Podcast. Investment advisory services offered through Brookstone Capital Management, LLC, BCM, a registered investment advisor. BCM and Securus Financial are independent of each other. Insurance products and services are not offered through BCM, but are offered and sold through individually licensed and appointed agents. The opinions expressed by John Amarino and guests on this radio show are their own and are based upon information considered reliable, although it should not be relied upon as such. Any statements or opinions are subject to change without notice. Investments involve risk and, unless otherwise stated, are not guaranteed. Past performance cannot be used as an indicator to determine future results. Any strategies mentioned may not be suitable for everyone. Information expressed does not take into account your specific situation or objectives and is not intended as recommendations appropriate for you. Before acting on any information mentioned, please consult with a qualified tax or investment advisor to determine if it is suitable for your specific situation. This program is designed to provide accurate and authoritative information with regard to subject covered.